I'm Sam Slater from Fun Calibre and I'm here today with Chris Garsden, one of the managers of Waverton European Capital Growth Fund. Hi Chris. Hello. You've managed this fund since 2001 with your co-manager Charles Glass. That's almost 20 years. There must have been a few high points and low points in that time. Could you perhaps tell us about a couple and any important lessons you've learned? Yes, I've worked with Charles for almost 20 years now and that's uh, quite unusual in Mm. this industry to, to have had such a stable relationship. And yes, there have been um, many highs and lows. Uh, The first batch came almost immediately when we launched the fund, when uh, the stock market halved. And within that halving, Germany uh, fell 75%. So it halved and halved again. And of course, that was a low, Mm. but it created amazing buying opportunities. And one of the companies we bought... We've never been able to replicate because we were able to buy it at less than the net cash in the balance sheet. That's market capitalization. <laughs> and of course, that, that then uh, did very well. Yes. But in terms of the lessons that we've learned, I think the most important lesson for a fund manager to, to, to learn is to remain humble. Mm. Because the minute you become arrogant, the market will make a fool of you. <laughs> okay. And when you're looking for companies in this fund, you tend to go for early stage reform, companies that are just starting to turn something around and often that have new management. Why do you feel it's a good time to invest in a company? Well, what we're trying to do whenever we make an investment is to find a situation where a headwind mm. is turning into a tailwind. Okay. So you're going with the flow. And that can take two forms. It can either be a management change, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. so where perhaps you had management that was indifferent to shareholders, Mm. suddenly trying to get higher reported returns, or just the industry uh, improving through um, the the capital cycle. And I can go into that a bit later on if you'd like. Mm, Yes, please. Well, that would be that um, the way capitalism works is that Very often, uh, in our industry, people look at demand. Mm. And uh, if I got a a pound for every time somebody said to me, "Um, you should buy China because demand is growing, Mm. I'd be a very rich guy. (laughs) But what people tend to look at less is what's happening to supply. Mm. And an industry can be broken through excess supply. And if you can invest in in an industry that's been through a a surplus of supply, but it's now drying up, Mm. then it tends to dry up for a while and you can make excess returns for a long time and they can be extremely attractive. Mm -hmm. And the fund currently has a big overweight to Swedish companies. It's almost triple that of the index weighting. Why is this? Um, That is, we are uh, very overweight in Scandinavia. Right. And the reason for that is that in addition to looking at the capital cycle, what one's looking at is how management are treating shareholders. And in Sweden stroke Scandinavia, they are extremely good at looking at how they can manage the company well, but also treat shareholders friendly uh, well. And an extreme example... And it's always good to have an extreme example (laughs) because it makes your point. Uh, One of the shares that we've had in the fund is called Top Denmark, Mm -hmm. which is an insurance company. And it's just in Denmark. And it hasn't grown that fast, but they've invested heavily in the company. 
but the excess cash has been returned to shareholders mm. via dividends and share buybacks. Yes. And over the last 20 years, you've made 20 times your money Gosh. in that company. A very simple company, a very simple story, very low risk, but fantastic. And you made much more money in that than uh, some of the big giants that are elsewhere quoted like Allianz mm. or um, Generali in Italy. Lots of UK investors will naturally think more of UK companies for dividends, but it sounds like Scandinavia actually has quite a good history of paying a dividend. Is they that right? certainly do. They, um, the, 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 the role of a dividend, you, you can come in two forms. It mm. can either come in the form of a share buyback or as a hard dividend. Yeah. And the great thing about a share buyback is if you're on a low rating, it's incredibly earnings accretive. You get much more bang for your buck through right. a share buyback than you do through a dividend. But the important thing is that shareholders get it back mm. and it doesn't go on frivolous, often um, value-destroying acquisitions. Okay. Thank you. Um the fund also has zero holdings in Dutch companies, which surprises me as I believe you used to run a Netherlands country fund yes. earlier in your career. Did that put you off Dutch companies or are there <laughs> simply better investments elsewhere? Well, we have had Dutch companies mm. over the life of the fund. And for many years, we had Heineken, which did very well. Okay. And we do currently have Unilever, actually, but I know that's a bit of a hybrid. That's mm -hmm. both the UK and, and Holland. But when I started uh, 25 30 years ago, looking at continental European shares and running the Dutch fund, Dutch uh, stock market ratings were much lower than the European average. And that is because in Holland, virtually all companies have anti-takeover devices. Okay. So they can't be acquired unless they want to be acquired. Mm. And so that is all well and good, but it means that you can't shake up uh, underperforming management mm. because they just hide behind their foundation. Okay. Over the years, people gradually forgot that um, that was the situation and the ratings went up. And then fairly recently, there have been a couple of hostile takeovers mm. attempts, which have both failed. And they failed because the management have gone behind the screen mm. Uh, and for that reason, we think that Dutch share ratings will gradually fall back okay. to where they, they were historically because, as I said, you, you can't shake up the management. Mm. The fund also has zero holdings in utilities companies. And your latest fund note said that these companies are not shareholder friendly and there's been a herd-like scramble into renewables, which I thought was quite intriguing. Yes. Could you please expand on that a little bit? Yes. I mean, I do have to be slightly careful here because my, my colleague, Charles Glass, mm. does hold uh, utilities on the dividend growth fund. Right. So they do have a role. But you're absolutely right. I don't hold any in the capital growth fund. For the reasons that you've uh, mentioned, um, I am cautious on industries where there's a lot of capital going into the industry, as I've mm. said before. And there's a lot of people putting in solar parks and wind parks and so on and so forth. And I'm just wondering whether the returns going forward are going to be as high mm. as they've been historically. And then the utility industry generally 
is very bad mm. at returning cash to shareholders, you know, your average Spanish utility which would much rather hunt for an acquisition in South America mm-hmm. and my hunch is bolt on a holiday <laughs> after they've done their investigation than return the cash to shareholders and they want to, you know, to get bigger. Mm. So um, I'm always of the view that one should be able to find a more attractive uh, investment proposition outside the sector. Great, that was very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Sam Slater, and if you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts, please subscribe to Fun Calibre.